I'm really excited to see this talk, and I heard something about it being maybe around 500 slides. 499. <laughs> All right, get excited. Please welcome Lucas to group. So, in the meantime, you can read uh, where this talk is about. It's still on, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I started making uh, type really very long ago, when I was like 14. Made type out of tin cans. Of course, they opened, there were tiny boxes. That was just before my punk period. And after that, I had my hippie period. This is in uh, Noordwijkerhout, a small village in the Blo uh, Bloemballenstreek. And uh, here you see the church, the Victorkerk. was cool, Bollenstreek. And then I had my uh, arty period. This is in the art school in Den Haag. And there I already investigated making uh, lots of weights. And a year later, I came up with the interpolation theory. So how to make a range of weights, it has to follow some rules. The interpolation theory says that if you have three weights, you want to have the middle optically correct, then it needs to be a little bit less thick than 50%. And I came up with these formulas to calculate this kind of stuff. So if you have a lot of weights, you can use this formula. And you get these nice uh, weight definitions. Um, However, it only works for the vertical strokes because the horizontal strokes they are limited by the total height of the letter. You see that uh, the horizontal stroke in the euro sign is much thinner than the horizontal stroke in the L. So the interpolation curve is different for the topology. We have the verticals following the nice curve, but the horizontals, they, at a certain moment, they have to stop because they can't grow any longer. If this interests you, go to my website. A three-dimensional model of how the interpolation works between a very thin and a very thick font and it's called the anisotropic topology dependent uh, interpolation theory. This consolas, by the way, with some character variations. Let's see if my movie works. Yes, it does. So this shows how the interpolation works. The verticals go smooth. Uh, the three horizontals in the A, they... Wait a moment. You don't see the movie. I see the movie here. Or did you see the movie? Ah, good. Okay. Uh, so the three horizontals in the A, they stop growing at the third and horizontal in the U, it grows all the way up to the top. Well, you get the idea. Okay. I have to go to the next. All right. So, um, in 93, I went to Berlin because I fell in love with these beautiful uh, Trabant cars. I drove it for about 12 years. Uh, beautiful curves. Super. And uh, in 2000, I started my own foundry, Lucas Fonts. And, uh, well, I made my fonts uh, lighter, tighter. You know, people call me up and say, please, I need an extra, extra, extra condensed version of your font, which I don't like at all, but it's fun to make anyway. And, of course, families keep on expanding Greek, Cyrillic, even Arabic and Hebrew by now. 
and fonts get more complicated all the time. We add different number sets, uh, all kinds of funky stuff, all being called by OpenType features. Of course, we have a catalog. You can order one, at least if our catalog ordering software is still working. Um, and you can look at the fonts yourself. Then we'll send out the catalogs through our internal post office. And then it goes to the Estonian post office because they are using my font to sense. We never sold the font in Estonia, but well, who cares? It's a nice post office. Um, and of course, you can also look at the fonts on my website. And not all of my fonts are on the website. There's new stuff being done all the time. And um, yes, I don't have a name for this font yet, else I would probably sell it as well. So now to the main topic, hinting. Hinting is a really extremely boring subject for type designers. Uh, so I have to make it a bit more colorful. Hinting, yes. Wow. Postscript hinting. Postscript fonts, you know, uh, hinting is very easy. You have the hints at the glyph level. Uh, this is more or less all. We define the stems. We define the ghost stems, where the, the, st the stems end at the top and at the bottom. And in FontLab, it works like this. This is the letter. We add uh, the stems. We see the values here. And uh, we add a few uh, ghost stems here for the top and uh, the bottom here. And that's about it. And these interact with the alignment zones. And the alignment zones are already the font level hints. And they make sure that everything aligns in small sizes. So it's called vertical alignment control. And uh, they're called top zones, blue values, other blues, but wonderful names. Um, however, we can only have six of them, six top zones. And you know that might have been OK when Postgres was invented in the 80s. but Today, it's really a big problem. Here are the top zones uh, from a mediocre, uh, me <laughs> intermediate big family. So the ascenders of the superior stuff, the superior numbers, the ascenders of the lowercase, and the x height of the superiors, cap height, um, figures, intermediate figures, small caps, lowercase. Uh, we see that I already have 11 top zones, and if I want to add Hebrew and Arabic, I need much more top zones, and we can only have six top zones. It means that big PostScript fonts, stuff will start to jump on screen. You know, some letters are bigger, other letters are smaller, simply because I cannot define enough alignment zones. Then we also have the family zones to make sure that within a family, all uh, the zones round to the same pixel size. In this case, the light is rounding down because the zone is thinner. So after adjusting the family zones, it works nicer. And then we have some nice uh, parameters like the blue first and the blue shift and the blue scale that you can read all about. But, you know, it's a lot of uh, actually interesting stuff, but you only have to set the settings and that's all. So let me introduce you our hinting city. Uh, Berlin is a really a huge, big city. It's a dirty city here. I parked my beautiful car under the wrong tree. You know, it's a Trabant. It's not made out of metal. It's made out of a pressed cardboard. So if you kick it, you don't get a dent, but it just breaks. Um, and on 1st of May, we have a big party. We can throw stones at the police. That's my son, Flores. And uh, I live in Schöneberg, the gay neighborhood. So uh, in order to blend in, I walk around like this. Um, so I continue with the postscript horizontal hints, uh, horizontal font level hints. It's called stem control. And we define the most used stems in the font. So the, the most used vertical stem here is 98 units, and the most used horizontal stem. And, 20, and uh, these values are really important. Uh, 
here's an example when they are not set correctly. The, the regular is going to two pixels at 18 point and the italic uh, at 19. So I adjust the values and then they go uh, to uh, the second pixel step at the same point size. Simple stuff. So those of you who were awake in the last century, they might know about the first font war between uh, PostScript and TrueType, between Adobe and Apple, and Microsoft, of course, because Apple and Microsoft invented TrueType, and this really was a big war. Uh, at the end of the war, Adobe had to give away their secret uh, PostScript code, and they, um, they printed the black book, but they did a small mean trick because they wrote about the ghost hints in the book and they, they did something wrong because they say the ghost hints should be 20 or 21. It's wrong. They should be minus 20 or minus 21, which we can see today when we open up a font with uh, the tools of today. Um, here, minus 21 for the bottom zone. And what happened is that the, the fonts that were made by other foundries following these specifications, they looked extremely bad on screen. See how this is jumping up and down? So all fontographer fonts were awful. This is uh, the Neue Syntax from Linotype, very expensive. It comes in a cigar box with uh, red felt inside, and then you get this on your screen. Ooh. And a few years later, we had the second font war between uh, you know, the first uh, um, try to get fonts implemented in the web between the PFR, portable font resources. You know, probably you've never heard about this stuff, but there used to be uh, a big war. Netscape versus... Uh, Explorer, <coughs> and it really took another 10, 15 years. Of course, afterwards we had the cold font war company Monotype eating up Linotype and eating up ITC and eating up Bitstream and eating up my fonts is all one big uh, super right now. Mm, good. The rasterizer is the, the, the software that transforms the outlines into pixels on the screen. And the rasterizer for Postgres fonts is getting better all the time. So we see here the Adobe Type Manager from whatever, 20 years ago. And they improved it a bit later, they added grayscale. And then in the Acrobat Reader, they tried to do it even better again. So in Reader 4, again, even better. So within Adobe, they have several groups of people uh, competing with each other, trying to make the best out of the PostScript fonts, trying to find an even better rasterizer. And you know, I can, could continue with this because all Adobe products, well, most of them, they all have a kind of different rasterizer. And it's still being improved. Some good news. <coughs> uh, since a few months, the PostScript rasterized, the latest and the greatest, is integrated into FreeType 2.5. So all devices that have the FreeType rasterizer, they can now display PostScript fonts really beautiful on screen. Especially if, uh, if you have tiny pixels. <coughs> mm, in uh, 1999, Microsoft came up with another great idea because they, you know, they had seen that most flat screens have uh, sub-pixels. And they said, we can use the sub-pixels, and they invented this new technology called ClearType. At the top, we see the old black and white display. At the bottom, the ClearType display. And uh, here again, uh, left top is black and white, right top is the grayscale anti-aliasing. But Microsoft said, no, we have... Uh, you know, the, the pixel always consists of a red, green, blue sub-pixel, but we don't have to start on the red sub-pixel always, like we did in the black and white times. We can just start on the green sub-pixel, on the blue sub-pixel. So in theory, we can have a three-fold resolution in the x-direction. Uh, this is the theory. So that's what I did. And indeed, uh, when you zoom in on the screen, it looks like this, or like this. On the left, we have the black and white. On the right, the clear type display. And really, it looks a lot better in the horizontal direction, of course, yeah, because 
the stripes are all vertical. And when you make a screenshot of your screen, you get something like this, because the subpixels, they give these nice colors. I love these colors. It's great. And, um, well, this clear type technology, uh, unfortunately, only works with true type fonts. And hinting true type fonts is really not easy at all. I'll show you how to do it in FontLab. Um, this is an ampersand. And I start with a link on a, on a grid and an, uh, with a value on it and a link at the bottom. It attaches an anchor to the zone and um, another link there and an interpolate in the middle, which also rounds to the grid. So the black outline is the designed outline, the gray outline is the hinted outline. And these gray pixels, which are really difficult to see, the colors are a bit off, unfortunately, but these are gray pixels. Uh, is the resulting image. But you can look at the bottom right here, this is the, also the resulting image in black and white. So I add some interpolates to keep the form nice with all the rounding. So this is kind of controlled rounding to the grid. Some more interpolates and then to keep this curve nice I add some more interpolates here. So these are all the vertical commands. Still quite simple and still not looking good as you can see. Time to save the font on my network. Here it is. Not very social, but it works. Um, now, a short example in the meantime uh, why web font, hinting web fonts is really important. Uh, find a nice website. Found a nice website, typecache.com, you might know it. They show uh, fonts on the web, but I zoomed in and I saw this is not looking very nice. You see the, the top of the December line is very crumbly. And here I also saw something wrong. The type cache word is not very good. If you zoom in, you see that this is jumping. The E is too big. And uh, the tops of the letters are crumbly. And if you zoom in here, you see that the top is really very blurry. And here the, the strokes sometimes are two pixels, sometimes are one pixel. This is just because I zoom in a lot. You know, I have huge screens, so I never watch it, the, the web at 100%. Always Apple, uh, command plus, command minus. And in other font size, it might, it might look good again, like this one. So this is the stuff that can happen if you just auto-hint a font, or if you just buy, uh, you don't buy a font, you just convert it to TrueType, and then you might get these results. Oh yeah, I also wanted to talk about licensing issues. Um, <coughs> but I found uh, in the last few, I, I did some research, but it's actually quite a boring subject. Some foundries, they... Uh, most of them, uh, they sell your license by uh, amount of page views, others by bandwidth, one doing by unique visitors, and then there's a limit on the amount of domains that you can uh, use the fonts on. And I don't want to go too much into this. Maybe I put it on my website or put it on your website to, to look at the details. It's too small anyway. So I'll continue with the hinting. The horizontal direction, I oh, forgot about it. So I start with a, a round here, it rounds to the grid, then a link referring to a table, um, another round, the width of the letter, and then interpolate this one and round it to the grid, that one as well, and uh, add some strokes, add some interpolates, as you've seen before, and all for the X direction. And we see at the right bottom that indeed it's improving. It's already quite good. It's actually looking really good. So this is the fully hinted ampersand. The links are done. Um, but 
few more interpolates here. Now, just one back. We see here still a small problem. This pixel I want to remove. So now I'm going to add a delta hint, which is a small kick on the outline uh, right here. It moves the outline a little bit so that this pixel here disappears. So now I'm going to do the delta hinting, go to the next size. This was 18 ppm, and now go to 17 ppm. Add a few deltas. We have middle deltas and final deltas. Uh, the next ppm, 16, 15 ppm. Have to uh, go a bit faster here because this is hinting an ampersand in 80 steps. Uh, 11 point, 10 point. You see, sometimes it features move a whole pixel. That's a middle delta. Mm, so where are we now? 9 ppm. Good. And now. With the control table, I can do m very nice things. Uh, look here in uh, 22 and 23 point. Uh, all the lines are one pixel, and I might decide, no, I want to have them two pixels already at this size. So um, I just add a value uh, here in the table, add it, uh, change it to, uh, to 22, and then at the top, look here, it changes. Uh, these are So you can change the whole font by just changing a number making it darker for a specific size. That's the power of hinting. Um, then I look at the big size, 23. I see that the letters are really clean hinted there, but the ampersand is still dirty, so I need to do a bit more hinting on the, the big sizes of the ampersand. Well, another value. So I add a few more deltas for these uh, 23 point, 22 point. I wish it would go this fast in reality. Twenty point, nineteen point, the last size. I'm almost done. Super. And now I look at the font in grayscale. I'm not sure if you can see it here. So this is now black and white rasterization. And now I look at it in grayscale. And what we see, we see it's good, but the, the V is disappearing. It's way too light. So uh, what happened? I see that I hinted the V, or actually a colleague of mine did it, uh, quite strong. So the black and white pattern is good, but now the grayscale pattern is way too light. So I need to change this. I need to add some deltas, to, and by keeping the black and white pattern correctly, I need to make it stronger. And I think you can see here that it gets a little bit darker. Yeah. So a lot of work. To hint for grayscale is actually not very nice. <coughs> Another. Um, uh, show of the power, uh, we see here at nine points that the X height is only four pixel, which is not, a new not enough for good readability. So by adding a delta on the zone, I just move the whole zone upwards and all the glyphs, they jump to five pixel and suddenly the font is readable. That's cool. At 11 point as well, low X height, I just raise it a bit and it has more impact. It can be read better in small sizes. And well, then this was just one letter in one font, so then we need to hint the family, we need to decide where are the letters uh, one stroke horizontal, one stroke vertical, where are they two strokes vertical, one stroke, uh, well, you get the idea. Uh, X3, Y2, I think something is cut off of the screen. Well, never mind. Pooh, uh, hinting floors, my son. Actually, it's uh, also the name of a newspaper that you might uh, have seen in uh, Vrij Nederland. They're using it. 
And uh, this is uh, kind of uh, an incarnation of the font, a very wide slab serif. This is the actual name, Flora Slab Wide Semibolt Roman High X-Height Short Descender. It's an awful name. Uh, yesterday evening, I thought maybe I should call it Flora's Lowrider. I already have uh, the movie for it. And now I want my son to become a good hinter, so I let him do uh, pixel exercises here in uh, Minecraft. He loves it, building stuff and crafting stuff, and actually learning quite good English by doing Minecraft. Even my youngest niece, Renske from Noordwijkerhout, had to make her own pixel font for me. <laughs> Beautiful. So I love to come back to Holland, and um, of course I jump into the Albert Heijn and look for products that have my fonts in it, and you know, it tastes so good with the mix on it. You should try it. And of course, in Germany as well, uh, my kitchen is uh, full with products with uh, my own fonts in it, so it's the only stuff I eat. <laughs> the sense italic, great. Well, hinting is a lot of work, as you can see, but there's a, a technique that makes it a bit more easy. Because we had this old technology called multiple master in PostScript fonts, it means you have a, a kind of a, a font object which goes from, uh, from light to black and from uh, narrow to white. My mouse is nervous. And um, so you only need the letter once, and it's hinted for all the weights and all the widths. Really practical. And then many years ago, I needed to hint uh, fonts for uh, Microsoft, and then you know, the, the regular and the bolt, and I thought, my god, I don't want to do it twice. So I called up, uh, I, I wrote an email to Yuri Yarmola, the developer of my font software in uh, St. Petersburg, and told him, I want TrueType Multiple Master. It does not exist as a font format. But two weeks later, he sent me an update to FontLab, and there I could do TrueType Multiple Master. So I set the links only once, and this is really the, the, you know, the true type points, true type multimaster. And I make an instance, and all my instances have these links already, so it saves a lot of work. But the real hinting work, we need to do it in VTT. That's Microsoft Software Visual True Type, much better than FontLab. Uh, hard to imagine with this old icon. So I need to go on a PC, and uh, we see here see the clear type preview. And there we have, uh, this is already the hint of the anchors. I just show this because it looks so nice. Here we have the X and the Y mixed. And the interpolates and the shifts. And uh, it has much more possibilities than FontLab. It's really great software. So much fun. And if this becomes unclear, I dive into the, into the code and I can change some things that I, that I cannot see in the interface anymore. It becomes it, you know, too much worms, too much spaghetti. And I go in here, and the hardcore people go even a level deeper into the, uh, the machine code. And then we need to do the control table, which is just a huge file of text here with uh, one and a half thousand entries. And we can define our own functions. And uh, that's a lot of fun. And then, of course, we also need to do the whole font and all the sizes, and that's no fun. So to recap, we have the black and white display, old-fashioned stuff. We have black and white with grayscale. Then we have the clear type, which only works in the X direction. And then, uh, some years ago, Microsoft came up with a combination of clear type for the X direction and the grayscale rasterization for the vertical direction, seen here. And this is really the, the best true type display that you can get at the moment. Always forgotten the name, but it's in, in the latest Explorer. However, 
it only works with clear type displays and it doesn't work on a tablet because on a tablet you're rotating your thing, the subpixels will be different. So um, software makers decided to not use the subpixel anymore and just switch back to grayscale. And as long as the pixel is small enough, it looks fine, but it's all stuff that we need to care about. Now we need to rethink about the grayscale. Then in Truth of Fonts we have a nice cast table. In this we can say between uh, 10 and 15 points we have black and white, and after that we grayscale is allowed, and above 19 points this vertical grayscale is smoothing in to the font, is uh, getting in. So I also hint icons. I work for Miele, washing machine stuff. Need to look good on screen as well. But I also use it as a, as a design tool. You know, first I designed the, the, the soap bucket, and it needs to be implemented in pixel form in all these washing machines. So with a few hints, I can get a good range of icons already. I optimize them a bit with deltas, and there they are, the pixel icons. Another example of um, hinting as a design tool. Let's see if I can open this. Uh, yes. Open. Oops. This is um, a PNG font. So it's just a bunch of PNG files. And this is a very special case because it's for Audi cars. It's in, in front of the car in a small device, a small uh, display. And uh, the designers, they had made their mockups in Photoshop and uh, Photoshop blurs everything. So when I came up with my hinted font, all the lines were one pixels. And I said, oh, that's too thin. In Photoshop, it looks a bit thicker. And then I sent them two pixels thick and said, oh, no, that's much too thick. So then I had to hint these uh, strokes to be one and one and three-eighths of a pixel. Uh, so in black and white, it's still one pixel. And in, in grayscale, you see these half pixels here. And uh, you see in the, here they are on the inside. And on the eye, of course, I had to choose to make them on the right side. And that was a lot of fun. And they were happy with it. Good, so the font looks like this. It's, oh, sorry, um, it's a transparent PNG files. So it's just, oh, we don't see anything here, my God. Sorry about this. So uh, what I see here is uh, the Photoshop background, you know, the, the checkboard with some white shapes that are the letters. Um, and uh, on a dark background, it looks like this, the hinted letter. And I'm not satisfied with this because I think that the left stroke of the A is a bit too thin. And I zoom in here in, in the hinted stuff, I see, yes, it's rounded to four pixels. Ah, oh, it's a pity, the pixels are not visible. And the rise is to five pixels, rounded to five pixels. So I add a few deltas, and we see here the result. Yes, it's better. The N has too much overshoot, and the horizontal stroke is rounded up, the verticals is rounded down, not good. So before and after, I change the contrast a little bit. The E is not good, the top and the bottom horizontals are too thick here, and this one is rounded down, it's too thin. So what I do is I have two big screens in front of me, and I decide about one-eighth of a pixel on this big screen. Um, here, add a few deltas before and after, and it looks, really looks much better in small sizes. So a few years ago, I decided to buy some fonts from Fontshop to see what other founders are doing with their hinting. It is unit web, specially designed for the web. Uh, this is a Safari browser. Looks good, of course. Um, Microsoft, the latest browser, also looks good with a clear type. 
Then on uh, Mozilla Firefox, on, uh, on a little bit older PC, it looks quite not good. And in uh, Chrome, quite fuzzy. So I zoom in a bit. Macintosh again, Safari on uh, Explorer, very nice. Um, and in big sizes, this is awful. And uh, I found out that they hi only hint in the vertical direction, not for the X direction, because they figured out, well, most computers are using uh, the subpixel technology these days, so we don't need to hint for X direction. But still, a big percentage of the web is using Windows XP, and you know, they get to see this result. My own fonts. <coughs> Let's see how the time is going. Oh, not good. I'll hurry up. Uh, my own fonts. I see a lot of mistakes, but I also hinted for the X direction. So it's much cleaner. Well, you can see it. You get the ID. So I'll move on a bit faster. This was the thesis family that started out as a big family already in 94. <coughs> Back then there were 144 PostScript fonts, but it has grown since then. Then there were eight weights, now there are 17 weights. Here they are from the thinnest hairline that doesn't display even well on, <laughs> on the beamer here. Um, then there was one width, now there are nine widths. Nine widths. Extra, extra, extra condensed. Back then 580 glyphs, now uh, almost 6,000 glyphs. Arabic adds a lot of glyphs, Hebrew. Um, here they are. Oops. So figures. Uh, oh well, you get the ID. Oops. Uh, too far. So I have to keep track of uh, the amount of fonts by using big tables. Also, I've redesigned the font. I see a lot of glyphs that I don't that I don't like anymore. Uh, so I'm still making these sketch things and improving stuff. And sometimes customers call me up and say, oh, I don't like the R. Can you make us a new R? And I say, sure, no problem. The add sign wasn't very good. People didn't like the queue, so I've made at least five different queues. The right one is now the default new queue. And this is the, the evolution of the G. On the top left is 1993. The right bottom is... Uh, 2013, and it says, Alle prachtig, if you can read it. Apple doesn't care about hinting at all. They don't use the hinting on their computers. Don't need it on a retina display anyway, but... Uh, here I installed, uh, or I wanted to install QuickTime on Windows, and we see that the Windows interface is extremely clean in this size, but the Apple software is extremely blurry simply because they have never realized that the Windows operating system is totally scalable and that on a big screen you set your type to medium instead of to uh, too, uh, small and then everything gets scaled and a lot of stuff goes wrong. Good, uh, some more Lucas fonts. Serif fonts are a big problem because the serifs in small sizes are as big as the strokes so don't work that well. Hitting components is fun. First I hint the glyph, and then I hint uh, the component, and that's about it. I combine them, but I see that it's not centered. So I can add a line of code here, a call that centers the accents on top of the O. Ah, it's too much work. I've only done it once. And then I thought, no, no, no. Don't exaggerate. The TAS family has also been hinted quite well. 
and it's been growing a lot here in the last uh, years, especially love the fat ones, italic, black extended, super. And we are the only type design company that can drink coffee with the name of their own font on it, because Tess is also a newspaper and they bring out their own coffee. And I designed the font for the newspaper and we drink Tess coffee all the time. So let me introduce you our hinting office. Here it is. This is our hinting garden with tulips, of course. This is the team that uh, worked on the Calibri Light last year, or two years ago already. Um, here's my Russian hinting slave. <laughs> uh, hinting a creation D. His hinting notes. I have a hinting programming, programming slave helping me to convert the hinting from FontLab to VTT so we don't have to do it twice. And we're also working on the next office. Something like this. A few months ago, this is just one month ago, so we're about to move in the next few months. And when I have enough of hinting, I go to my basement, I cut a few letters out of foam. I have a hot wire foam cutting machine. And I fill up the letters with concrete. And so what you saw before, this is the ultra heavy ampersand in my garden. <laughs> um, a colleague of mine compiled a bit of information about web fonts, some examples of other colleagues <coughs> that are really nice. So lucasfonts.com slash web fonts. All right. Suppose you're all in the internet, so it's a bit slow right now. Then I'm done. Thank you. That was great. That was great. Thank you. Wow. 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 499 slides in record time. That was really awesome. Um, there's a lot of curiosity around um, the, the process of creating a font. and Of hinting a font? Of creating of a creating. font. Of creating, all right. Mm -hmm. um, so to start off, kind of, how do, you, how do you get the inspiration for new fonts? Like, inventing a totally brand new font seems very difficult to imagine. Well, when doing typography, of course, I first would look at an existing font to see if something fits. And I've had several occasions where there was nothing that would fit. Uh, for instance, the test, you know, we tried to redesign a newspaper and we couldn't find a proper font. And so in the meantime, I started uh, just sketching and, and doing something from the guts. Uh, actually, <laughs> that's probably the best explanation. It's, it's coming from the guts. Yeah. What is, um, when you're doing the, when you're deep in the type design process, what what is the most time-consuming time part? Is it the hinting? No, it's not. It's uh, hmm. you know, the design process is actually quite small. You you get the idea in uh, the for for a, a form language that can happen in just a few hours by by sketching on paper, and then uh, you need to make uh, the first 250 glyphs to complete the font so that somebody can use it, and then you might need to make another weight or more weights. 
and then you expand it into Greek and Cyrillic, and then it gets really a lot of work. You know, especially it took me six years to to learn Greek. It took me six years to learn Cyrillic, and uh, I spent seven years on Arabic, and I still don't know how to do Arabic right now. Um, so expanding it into into global fonts that really is a lot of work. Yeah. And then the hinting is, uh, you know, it's just a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I believe you. Um, how much is is there an ability to use any sort of automation in in creating a font for either like kerning pairs or anything like is there anything that software can automate no there's a lot of auto kerning software and i tried a lot of them and they're all totally shit so i would never you can do auto uh, kerning in in uh, indesign and uh, it's awful i could have shown some slides before and after so always keep your uh, indesign stuff on uh, somebody's calling me <laughs> Um, there's a lot of curiosity around uh, kind of how this stuff plays out uh, in the browser. So first up, uh, how does high DPI screens and retina screens um, affect hinting and affect type? Very good, because on retina displays, we don't need hinting anymore. I'm totally happy. Sorry. That was my... So this is not even necessary? No, for retina displays, it's not necessary. Right. So it's... You know, hopefully it will disappear. Hopefully the whole world will have retina displays in five years. Mm. Then the problem will be solved forever. So um, you mentioned uh, Mac. Uh, so OS X just completely throws out the hinting That's right, information. Yeah. Um, do you know? So that captures um, iOS as well. Do you know what the story is on Android? Does Android use hinting data? Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Android uses hinting, so you can uh, true tap fonts can look really crisp in small sizes. Because I do know, like, um, uh, I think Google Web Fonts and probably uh, maybe I think Typekit as well, they just, when they, when a request comes in, they detect, you know, if it is OSX, they serve an asset without the hinting data at all. So okay. that the, yeah, the payload is smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so interesting. Is, um, why, can you, Take a stab at explaining why type looks different between browsers and platforms. Um, I think Windows, uh, like Windows and, and Chrome, is is one that comes up a lot mm -hmm. um, compared to you know Safari on OS X. Why is it that the same font file looks completely different in many cases? Well, that's indeed a hinting. You know, the, on the Macintosh type, always was looking too dark. So we've sold a lot of fonts, and then the customers come back and say, "Oh, the font is too dark. Can we get a lighter weight?" That's just because, this, and then we tell the customer, oh, I'll please take a look on Windows. Oh, oh, nay, the font is okay, so it must be the, the Safari browser. And that's the reason is, of course, that Apple doesn't use the hinting, and, and their algorithm wasn't very good. I don't know if they've improved it, because I can't see it on my retina display. It just looks awesome. Um, you know, I use my retina display in, uh, in native resolution, so I have 3,600 pixels. It's cool. Everything gets small. Um. There are some people, so I've actually seen this as well. People complain about uh, clear type when it's enabled. And um, for instance, actually, Chrome uh, recently changed its policy. So any web font, uh, Chrome immediately forces on font smoothing mm -hmm. for that typeface. Um, and a number of people were very upset about this change because they, they prefer font smoothing to be off. Mm -hmm. um, what is, are, are they wrong or are they right or is it just all preference or? 
Well, the first version of ClearType wasn't very good because it only improved the x-direction in the y-direction. We still had these jaggies, so the tops and the bottoms of round elements would still have these ugly dark stairs. So only after Microsoft decided to do the, the vertical anti-aliasing, it started to look real nice. And they wanted to do it in uh, Windows Vista already, but you know, some jerk decided to do it later. So I think that, that set a lot of uh, bad mood along people looking at ClearType. Is there, um, you showed a few uh, type specimens, and then um, the, when you showed the, uh, the letter pairs across languages, that was awesome. Is there um, any sort of um, specimen text that takes into account the common uh, letter pairs so that, um, so that like we as design, uh, developers can kind of test things out and see um, what the common I mean, what a common, because everyone basically uses uh, lorem ipsum. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I don't know if that is representative of what real type looks like in either Dutch or English or German. Not that I know of, no. You know, I've, I've turned this research into a filter. So if I have a class kerning expands to half a million kerning pairs, then some font technologies, they cannot cope with this. So they only need to have like 1,000 kerning pairs or 2,000 kerning pairs. And with my filter, I can say I want kerning for Estonian, for Latvian, and for uh, whatever, Russian. And then uh, the software filters out only the pairs that are needed in these languages and throws out the rest. So I can make a very compact uh, kerning table just for, you know, let's say, just for a newspaper project. Yeah. And of course, kerning is bloating up fonts in the web. You know, the most web fonts come without kerning. And if we really add this big class-based kerning, it really adds a lot of data on the font. So it's something to really be careful with. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, the last question I'll ask, um, I think a lot of people in the audience were just like, wow, that's a lot, um, a lot to take in. And so how does one get started in type? How do, how do you begin to even start like designing your own typeface and move into kind of this field? Ooh. <laughs> that's a bit of a... My mother told me that I made my first typeface when I was six. We had a flat toilet and I was making really shitty letters in the toilet. And I was really proud. Mama, look, I made a P today. Uh, so that's how I got started. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, yeah think, <laughs> I think that'll do it. All right, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.